Steve, come to the library. Yes, Master, I am here. What took you so long? I've been calling you for 30 whole seconds. Forgive me, Master, I was in the cellar washing your delicate unmentionables. Oh, good. You used the detergent pods with the fabric softener as I commanded? Of course. You better have. I have a sensitive hiney. I am very aware of your sensitive hiney. That's what you said last time, and all of my underwears were like sandpaper. I apologized for that a million times. Why did you call me to the library? I feel like a little light reading tonight. Please fetch me the Necronomicon. But, uh, but it's right there on the coffee table. The Necronomicon, I command you! But you can easily reach it without getting up from your reading throat. Necronomicon me, goddammit! Very well, but if you're reading from that thing again, I'd better put down the plastic tarps. Good idea, and don't forget the wet naps! and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good. Isn't that right, Steve? It's quite good, my friend. It's quite good. And very gory. <gasps> yeah, I noticed that. It's pretty gory, huh? What kind of gore-fest did a... we walk into this time around? It's a it's a, an ecstatic gore fest, I would say. It's an amusing mujbus, uh, gore <laughs> and comedy. Oh, more gore! I say more gore. <laughs> um, yeah. You didn't we, say the name of the movie. We, we are we are reviewing the classic uh, horror comedy, I would say, from 1987. A little movie you might have heard of, uh, called Evil Dead Two. Yay! Hey, Steve. Yeah. Why aren't we Why aren't we reviewing Evil Dead the first one? Uh, because the first act of Evil Dead Two just basically catches up on what happened Evil in Evil Dead. Dead One, and you don't need to watch the first one. <laughs> Is it because even though Evil Dead One went to Cannes, and it was like a real big breakthrough movie for Sam Raimi? Yes. It doesn't have the legend behind it like Evil Dead Two. That is probably the reason. Yes. Hardcore gore people like Evil Dead One. And Evil Dead One, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good movie. No, it's a good it's, movie. But it's well, it's pretty it's, gross. It's pretty gross. Yeah. And it ain't no Evil Dead Two. Oh no, no. <laughs> Evil Dead Two is easily the better film. Yeah. 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 It's like they perfected Evil Dead and they made Evil Dead Two. And then made it funny. Oh yeah, they they really nailed it. I mean, it's, mm. it's 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 you know it's like happens a lot with especially with like really like singular kind of idiosyncratic directors where like their first movie is good and like is really promising. Yeah. But then their second movie is like where they figure it out, like it's Tarantino or Paul Thomas shit. Anderson. <laughs> this wasn't Sam Raimi's that's what, second that, that, film. That's true, because he did, he did Crime Wave between... He did Crime Wave yeah. that nearly ended his... That should have ended his career, and the Coen brothers' career, and Bruce Campbell's career. <laughs> that was a train wreck. 
It was a train wreck. So let's just pretend that didn't happen. That's what most people do. <laughs> there is a cult following behind Crime Wave. But I mean, isn't it, it's... Isn't it incredible that Sam Raimi didn't do anything in the six years between <laughs> Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2? Uh, Steve, do you have any trivia for this spooky, spooky, super spooky, funny, funny, more funny than spooky movie? You mean, you mean this spooktacular laugh riot? <laughs> It sure does tickle my funny bone. Get it? Because it's scary. It's not very scary, but it sure is funny. Um, I do have some trivia. So uh, the original idea that Sam Raimi had for a sequel to The Evil Dead was basically the movie that wound up becoming Army of Darkness. That's right. Um, His original idea for this movie was not to do this movie, but was to do a movie where Ash ends up stranded in the Middle Ages. And uh, he didn't do that. Instead, that became the ending to this movie, spoiler alert, and then was carried on in the third movie, which was eventually was Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, one one of the most famous scenes in this movie is the scene where Ash's hand gets possessed. Yes. And that scene was improvised by Bruce Campbell on the set. And the version of it that we have in the movie is the first take, which is pretty incredible, I think, because that is... A, it's the a, only take. It's a really, really well done scene. And it's... that's All, all of those breakaway dishes were not going to get replaced. <laughs> that's all Bruce Campbell. It's amazing. I, 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 I was going to say this later on, but I mean, isn't it amazing how much of this movie is just Bruce Campbell fucking around by himself oh, yeah. on a set? And, uh-huh. and it's like, wow, this works well. <laughs> it's just yeah. Bruce Campbell fucking around with props. It could have been the whole movie if we really wanted it, it to be. I, it, I think it could have been. I think, he, okay, now your foot's possessed. Okay. You I know, mean, we, we had to bring in more people because we needed more meat for the grinder, but I mean, it could have just been him. The whole, he yeah. didn't even have to show up with Linda. <laughs> no, he could have just walked in with no explanation. And <laughs> just shit starts happening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this last bit, though, is one of my favorite pieces of trivia. Um, so this movie obviously became a hit and got a lot of attention. It's been like one of the great sort of cult films for the last 25 years, uh, 30 years. Um, and people have little different bits of it that are like their favorite lines or their favorite moments. And yeah. there, there's, there's one that uh, a lot of people like, which is uh, there is when, um, when he's fighting with the severed head of his girlfriend and he, yeah. and he, he needs to, and she's biting him and he can't get her to let go. So he goes outside to the tool shed to, and it ends up putting her in the vice and like slicing her up with the, with the, the chainsaw. But as he, he gets the idea and he says work shed. And uh-huh. that's obviously a dubbed line. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't say that, you know, in the moment, that's a, a line that was looped later on. And so, and you can tell it, it sounds a little out of place and that's become like one of those moments in the movie that people kind of fixate on. And, um, in 1996, Bruce Campbell, had a small role in the movie Escape from L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, starring Kurt Russell. And supposedly the first thing that Kurt Russell said to Bruce Campbell when they met on the set was, say workshed. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I love that Kurt Russell was not just a fan of the Evil Dead 2, but was like the, the first thing he wanted so to say. So let me get this straight. Kurt Russell was a baseball player. 
a good actor and he watched dopey, stupid movies like we do. Yeah, I know, right? Can we get him on the show? Can we invite him on? You think he would say yes? <laughs> Is he not on the show now? I mean, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> say workshed. <sighs> okay, more trivia. Come on. No, that's all I got. What? Oh, okay, one more. One more. Okay. Since, since you're insatiable. I am. Uh, the producers intent as we said there's a lot of gore in this but uh, the producers intentionally chose unrealistic color tones for the blood because they hoped that if the blood was at least different colors it would allow the movie to be able to get an R rating right it didn't work it didn't (laughs) the MPAA was like "Ah, no you're not getting away with that (laughs) It's still we know gross. what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Um, so it was actually originally it was released unrated. Um, but so, but if if you ever watch the movie and you're like, boy, that that doesn't look like blood. Well, that was intentional. They made it bright red and orange and green because they were hoping to sneak by with it, but it didn't. Yeah. Work. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. I have some trivia. Go for it. The character of Bobby Joe. Yeah. Is based on. Oh shit. Her name just, you went on so long. What was You asked name? for more. You asked for more. I think, I know this one, though. You, I, It was Holly Hunter, wasn't it? Yeah, Holly Hunter. Yeah. Do you know why it's based on Holly Hunter? I don't know that. Because um, at one point, Joel and Ethan Cohen, Sam Raimi, Francis McDormand, and uh, Holly Hunter were all roommates in an apartment in Los Angeles. Oh, we talked about this for Raising Arizona, I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where they were. They took a long time to write to write this. Because you're right. The original script was going to be Army of Darkness. And then they changed it and basically just remade um, The Evil Dead. With some changes, of course. Oh, yes. But, I mean, you know, that's it. You want to know who made it? <laughs> yeah, tell me who made it. Dragged by Sam Raimi, you know him from the Spider-Man films. And Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. And a whole lot of TV, because his movie career wasn't doing a whole lot for a little while. Yeah. He made uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Which was a, a great show. A show that was on way too short. It was on yeah. Fox, wasn't it? Was it? Only, it only got one season, but it was a fantastic yeah. show. It was a fun show. And, of course, Xena and Hercules yeah. and what else? Was that everything? Those are the big ones. I'm sure he's done I don't other think stuff Joxer too. Joxer got his own series, but yeah. Um, written by Sam Raimi, I already did him, and Scott Spiegel, and he wrote The Quick and the Dead, another Sam Raimi movie, Spider-Man Two, another Sam Raimi movie, hmm. and Hostel, produced by Robert Tabbert, and he's also produced movies like Time Cop, The Judge, and <gasps> Drag Me to Hell. Hey, hey. Starring Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams. I'm not going to do it. If you don't know who Bruce Campbell <laughs> is, go out and watch some more movies. God damn it. He's been in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Sarah Bayer, Sarah Barry, which has the nickname, which is actually the exact same name as a girlfriend I had in high school. That's weird. Ooh, is it the same girl? No. Oh, okay. I was in high school when this movie came out. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't trying to insult you. All right, fine. I thought it was going to be a compliment. You know, you yeah. dated someone who was in a movie. She played, no. She played, oh, I, no, I didn't. Okay. Annie, she plays Annie Noby, and uh, she's done nothing. Dan Hicks <laughs> as Jake. Uh, and he's been in a lot of Raimi films. Cassie Weird. Wesley is Bobby Joe, soap operas. 
Denise Bixler's Linda. Nothing. Snowy Winters is the dancing demon Linda. Nothing. <laughs> Richard Dormier is Professor Ed Gatley. Nothing. John Peaks is Professor Noby. Nothing. Lou Hancock as Henrietta Noby. Nothing. Ted Ramey as Possessed. Henrietta. That's uh, Sam's brother. And he's appeared in his brother's films. Yep. Lots of Sam Raimi movies. Precious little else. You know him as Jockster from Hercules? Yeah, and and, uh, and and Hauptman, uh the the much bullied assistant to J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider Man movies. Right. The guy who's always getting yelled at. And William Preston Robertson as the voice of the evil dead. And also I'd like to throw this in, since it's in every single one of Sam Raimi's films. A yellow Oldsmobile Delta 88. <laughs> the car that Ash drives is the same car that Uncle Ben drops Peter, Peter off in right before yep. he gets shot to death. It's in almost, I think it's in every single one of his films. Yeah, it's his trademark. Yeah. It's, it's like the red teapot in uh, Yoshijiro Otsu's movies. Yes, classy. I'm telling you, it's like the red teapot and the Oldsmobile Delta. The Delta 88 actually is the, is the car that Ash drives off in in the last episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead that's been souped up into a Mad Max car. <laughs> Cinematography by Peter Deming, and he's done movies like Drop Dead Fred and Mulholland Drive. Wow. Yeah. Edited by Kay Davis, nothing. <laughs> Music by Joseph Lodlo. Laduca? Laduca, I guess, yeah. Laduca. Laduca. TV. Production company Renaissance Pictures, distributed by Rosebud Releasing Corporation. Release date March 13th, 1987. Budget $3.5 million. They asked for four, but they got $3.5. Which in today's money is $8.4 million. Box office, $10.9 million. Adjusted for inflation, $26.3 million. So it's made its money back. But I, would, I wouldn't I would say, say it so. was a, a smash bang hit. It had some critical acclaim to it. Some people really, really liked it. Some people really, really went meh. But it, be- it became one of those movies that it was like kind of an underground hit, like a cult hit. And it was one yeah. of those. It was one of those movies that by, by the time I was in middle school, because I was this came out in '87, so I was seven when it came out. Um, and but by the time I was in middle school, so maybe you know five six years later, it was like one of those movies that you just had to see, you know, that you would watch like at slumber parties and stuff. You oh, know? slumber party, Steve's favorite oh, thing. I love to sleep in a room with a bunch of other people. That's right. There was a time long ago before his heart withered and died <laughs> that Steve enjoyed the company of other boys, and then something. We don't know what it is. Something caused his heart to shrivel up. So now he hates people and hates the, the idea of a slumber party now for Steve would be abhorrent to him. Isn't that right, Steve? I don't want people in my house. <laughs> Except for you, Master, of course. Of course, you have no choice. Of course, you are... If I wanted to come into your room and lay on top of you, you'd just take it. There is nothing I could do. I am sworn. I am bound to obey you. You're my thrall. You do what I tell you to do, and you don't get lippy. Well, I get a little lippy sometimes, but... Well, okay, but I thought we fixed that. Then you crack me a good one, and I I settle down. That's right. You you really do take a punch good. Thank you. You're welcome. 
It's all about the turn. You have to go with it. That's right. So you see, kids, abuse can be fun between a couple. I'm not saying we're romantically involved or anything like that, but, you know. There's an intimacy. There's an intimacy and not violence to each other. In other words, if I didn't hit him, I'd probably fuck him. (laughs) Given the two options. Sure. I'll take take a punch every now and then. Of course. We've only been doing this for 300 years. And don't mess with what works. All right. Are you ready to go run screaming into the woods? I'm ready to literally do that, yes. Are you ready to go into a movie that literally tells you, Hey, kids, don't read. <laughs> Reading don't read, is not kids. fundamental. It's bad for you. <laughs> books are scary and you should not read them. You will go to hell if you read books. Are you ready to run in this pro-illiteracy movie? <laughs> It's basically telling you that. Don't read. Don't read books. You had it coming. You had to open a book. Stay ignorant. <laughs> boy, a lot of people have taken that to heart, eh, Steve? Oh, boy. <laughs> the Evil Dead 2, Steve. Ooh. Take it away. Well, if you saw The Evil Dead, this first little bit will seem a little familiar. Yes. Um, so for the first 15, 20 minutes or so of the movie, we get a, 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 a breakneck speed, fast-paced recap, or more like, not like a, re, a restaging of the Evil Dead, um, with, with some missing characters. Well, um, you're it, jumping way ahead. First, we have a spooky guy who tells us what the Necronomicon is. Oh, yeah, the Necronomicon. It was a spooky book that people wrote, and it was bad. And it was bound in human flesh and written in written blood. Written in blood, and don't read from it. I personally think we should bind all of our, our, our books in human flesh. It, gives, it, a certain, it gives them a certain level of class, I think. You'd be less prone to burn that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You gonna, what, are you going to burn Grandpa? I like that. You mean turn relatives in the book, Steve? Is that what you just I mean, after implied? They di- after they die of natural causes. I mean, don't like kill people just to turn them into books. No that's, matter that's, what that's, the that's... contents of the book is, we'd be less prone to burn it if we knew it was made out of Grandpa. Yeah, you know. All right, I'm ready to die. Here's what I want made out of me. 101 boner jokes. That's right. It's my favorite book. <laughs> Do you know how many books would be in garage sales and yard sales? Can't burn it, but I gotta get rid of it. What is it? It's... My grandmother describing a growth under her arm that just developed over 30 years. I don't want to burn it because it's grandma, but... You and, know. you know, it's bound in her flesh. You can actually see the growth. Right I'll there. just keep it here at the yard sale, and eventually someone online from Germany is going to buy it. Oh, yeah, that's how it always goes. <laughs> Leave it up long enough, and you're sending it to Germany. We would like to apologize to all of our German listeners at this point in time. Chief... <laughs> So, yeah, we basically we meet Ash and Linda. Ash and Linda, they're going to a, a cabin in the woods out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a nice weekend. They drive uh, over a model bridge. Uh, yes, a, an adorable little model bridge. Don't get used to it. We cut uh, to Ash not actually playing the piano and Linda right. twirling like an idiot. Yep. And uh, he gives her uh, a necklace with a, a little magnifying glass on it. She's like, I love my necklace so much. And then uh, they find a, a, a tape player, like an old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape player, and it plays some exposition. 
that explains about uh, how the the guy who owns the cabin, Professor Nobi, has been translating the Necronomicon, which is the scary book. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's they he, found it in a spooky castle. Yeah, he found a spooky castle, and that if you recite passages from the book, then it releases a dark spirit that can possess people. And he um, took it to the cabin so he can translate it in peace. Yeah, and then he and then he says the evil magic words on the tape recorder, and Linda's like, "I'm possessed now." Well, first something wakes up in the in the woods. Uh, and, and comes screaming at the cabin and busts the window. We get a signature a Sam Raimi shot. shot. <laughs> That's right. And she gets, she gets, she's taken away. And Ash is like, "Oh no, I just went off to get champagne." And he slowly walks back into the room where he heard crashing and his girlfriend screaming. And she's gone. And he's like, "Oh huh. no!" And uh, he goes into the woods to look for her. Yes. And she's now possessed by a demon, and she's jumping at him, and conveniently, someone left a shovel out. Yes, the sharpest shovel in the world. That's right, he chops off her head, (laughs) and then he buries her. Yeah. Fashion's a nice cross for her and everything. I thought that was That's right. Yeah. But then, all of a sudden, another roaring demon thing comes out and grabs him and he goes on a quick tour of the entire forest yeah well, he goes and to, then it, hey he goes for a spin around the neighborhood i get it because of the way anyway i get it it's dumb okay sorry I get it so then ash Puns. says hey i know what i'll do i'll leave so he gets in his car and he no, tries to leave. No, he then falls into some water. Okay, he falls into some water. And when he comes out of the water, he's got a monster face. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but and then but then uh, the sun the morning comes up, sun right? comes and up and says, "I got you, buddy." Yeah. And he turns him back into ash, and then Ash says, um, "I'm gonna fall asleep next to this puddle." <laughs> he gets up and he looks around, and remarkably, he's right in front of the cabin. And he sees Linda's grave, right? Yeah. And then he's going to leave. Okay, now you take it, Steve. Yeah, well, he he gets in his car and he drives away, but oops, the model bridge is gone. And now it's 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 girders that have been ripped up and torn, and they look it like looks like, like, a claw. like big claws on either side. And Ash, you know, he he reacts to it in the understated manner to which we've become accustomed. <laughs> he he stands on the edge of the abyss and he screams, "No!" Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And uh, and then he goes back to the cabin, and he's like, "Well, this sucks." Um, and well, you he, forgot he, the great shot of him um, standing where the bridge is, and there's that superimposed sun going down behind him. Yes. And that's then, like, oh, now we're in some sort of foreign film where. <laughs> Reality has just stepped right out the window. Yeah. Well, and, and he gets back to the cabin, and the cabin has a face. Oh, yeah. What does the face say? It says, join us. That's right. So he goes back in the cabin, and that's it, right? He just goes back in the cabin. Yeah, because is that when we cut to the airport? Yep. Yeah. The sudden, jarring shot of people getting off a plane, and it's what's-her-face and what's-his-name. What's her uh, name? A- Annie is her name. And what, I can't, Annie I think, and guy who dies quick. I think it's Ed. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. We'll call him Ed. So, soon to be dead, Ed. <laughs> and 
And she's like, I have these pages from the Necronomicon, and I'm bringing them to my father because I'm sure everything is okay because they, they took the pages off to Spooky Woods, and ha ha ha, isn't it funny that they think that this could open a portal to another dimension? And we're like, okay, okay, stupid, go to the go. <laughs> go. This is all going go to turn out cabin. fine. Meanwhile, in the cabin, um, the piano starts playing... Yeah. All by itself. And uh, Ash gets really sad. And then he looks out the window and his girlfriend's corpse comes out of the ground. And does and a little dance. Does a little dance. And there's no place to put the money on her. No. Because she's all gross. No. And then she shows up in the house. Well, he wakes up in the rocking chair and he thinks it didn't actually happen. Right? Yeah. But then she shows up. She bites him on the hand. Her head comes off. Yeah. Because, you know, it should. Because he, he cut runs it out, off, yeah. He runs outside, goes to the shed, puts her head in a vice. Yes. And he reaches for a place on the wall where the... I love this. Yeah. Where the chainsaw should be, but instead it's just a chalk outline. Yeah. Because, the minute the, because the professor is very organized. He The chainsaw goes here, you know? Mm-hmm. The minute that happens, her headless corpse comes in with a chainsaw. <laughs> <The> chainsaw. <laughs> and that's he, fun. Yeah, and then he defeats that by knocking the chainsaw into its torso, and then she briefly turns back into his regular girlfriend face. He gets sad, then she turns into a monster face, and then he chainsaws her head. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that, you know. It's never, it's never a happy time, but sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to change all the for- to change all the head. Yep. And then he goes back into the house. He stops a rocking chair from rocking. Yeah. He looks in a mirror, and oh, his yeah. reflection comes out and says, "Buddy, <laughs> we just chopped up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. We're not okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're really not okay." Because he's trying to tell himself that he's okay. Yeah. And then the funniest thing in the world happens to good old Ash. The hand that got bitten by his girlfriend has come alive. <gasps> oh, you hate when that happens. And it's not and, happy. And it's not happy. Then, right then, we cut away and we meet two goobers. Yeah. What's his name and, and Joe Beth. Bob, Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe, whatever her name is. Yeah, I don't does, care. Joe Beth. doesn't matter. Marianne, I don't care. Anyway, they're blocking off the, this road. Oh, God. Can you explain something to me, Stu? Yeah, sure. Who paid for the cantilevered bridge? The steel cantilevered bridge <laughs> to go to one cabin in the woods? <laughs> I know, apparently, that's the, only, that's the only thing on the other side of that, of that uh, canyon. Anyway, yeah, yeah, the bridge is out. Guy says, hey, if you pay me, I can show you a trail that'll get you to the cabin. And she's like, okay, but you've got to carry me stuff. And he's like... Cool. Joke's on him. She's got a big trunk, huh? Yeah. He's going to earn that money. I don't mean she's, her ass is big. She's got like a big steam. No, trunk. she's shit luggage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking redneck. Yeah, Not her, but, the guy carrying it. Right. So then... Um, he goes... He puts... He soaks his hand in water. Yeah, he's trying to drown it. That doesn't work. And then the... The hand starts smashing plates into his face and beating him up. And finally knocks him out. 
and the hand sees a cleaver <laughs> and starts dragging the whole body towards the cleaver. You have some strong fingers on that hand. Yep. Ash then takes a knife and pins his own hand to the floor. Doesn't he say, I got you, you little sucker, or yeah, something, something like that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And then Ash does the only thing you can do. Yeah. And that's, he takes a chainsaw and he cuts his hand off. Yeah, that's what he does. Hey, you have, you know, you do what you got to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so now he has, his hand gets away. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, and, that's right. He tries to, like, put the hand in a box or something. Mm-hmm. But no, he, uh, yeah, that's a great, he puts it in, like, a box and stacks books on top of it. In the top it's book a bucket. His, and did you notice the book that was on was, the top? Uh, it was a farewell to arms. Yep. Wah, wah, wah. Because we're in a Three Stooges movie. We anyway, should, we definitely um, are. <clears throat> so now the ha- the hand is running around the house in the back walls, and uh, Ash shoots at it with a shotgun. And then he finally thinks, I got it, because a little trickle of blood comes out of one of the holes in the wall. Right, Steve? Uh, well, it's a little trickle at first. And then it turns into a huge, gushing, goddamn <laughs> geyser of blood. Like there's a fire hydrant on the other side of the wall. Which then turns black. Yeah. And then it sucks everything back in, so there's no blood in the room, except Ash is now covered in black. Ash tries to sit down on a chair, and it breaks. And the deer, the mounted deer head, does what, Steve? Uh, comes to life and starts to laugh at him. That's right. <laughs> and then the side table, and then everything in the room starts laughing at him. It's like Beauty he and the Beast. La- yeah, he starts laughing. And then he hears a noise outside the door, and he shoots at it instinctively. Yeah, but it ain't a monster. No. All of a sudden, he opens the door to look around, and then all of a sudden, Bubba comes in and pins him to the ground. Apparently, he clipped um, Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe. Bobby Bobby yeah, Joe. Bobby Joe. You shot my Bobby Joe. Mm-hmm. Ed comes in, pins him to the ground. Uh, Annie, what's her name? Yeah, yeah. The professor's daughter, yeah. <laughs> the professor's daughter comes in, sees the bloody chainsaw, sees the dude covered in blood, and assumes that that Ash has killed her father and her daughter. And they say, hey, let's stick him in the basement. Yeah. And so they toss him into the basement, despite the fact that he's trying to tell him no. And Annie goes over, plays the tape recording, and it's conveniently tooled right up to the point where we need to hear that <laughs> her father has read from the Necronomicon that her mother has been taken over by a demon, and he's killed her and buried her in the earthen floor of the fruit cellar. <laughs> where Ash is right now. How about that? Ash wakes up, and Ted Raimi steps out in a full-body latex pod costume. Who's and he's in like, my Who's fruit cellar? <laughs> <laughs> Ash starts screaming and telling them to let him out of the out of the cellar. They try to get him out of the cellar while the mom is coming. Right? Yeah. And uh, while she's coming at him, her face mutates into a demon face. They get him out just in the nick of time. Is this when they stomp on the? Is this when they stomp on the cellar door and one of one of the creatures' eyes pops out? I think. And goes directly into Annie's mouth. Into, into her mouth, yeah, yeah. Um. And so everyone has a quick talk, right about <laughs> kind of what's going on. <laughs> 
Annie's mom appears in the cellar and she looks like herself normally. No one wants to believe that it's her. And while they're all looking at her, what happens to Ed? Oh, well, he starts uh, flying around and he has like a demon face. And he's he got kinda, a monster face. He kind of goes nuts. He eats some of Annie's hair. Which, that's right. Or Bobby Joe's hair. One of the one of the women's hair. One he, of the two. He eats some hair, which you know you don't want to do, um, and just kind of goes nuts. Yep. So they got to kill him. Yeah. And so they kill him. Right. Yeah, I think. And he do it, they? Yeah. I can't remember how he dies. Yeah, because because it's the the green blood. Yeah, it's the green they blood. Ha- Ash Ash chops him up with an axe, and it's green blood that's everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's right. So now they're sitting in the house, and all of a sudden. They hear a whole bunch of sounds, and they go into a room, and one of the worst special effects ever pops up, and it's Annie's dad telling him, you got to read this special passage from the Necronomicon. It'll summon the world's worst demon. (laughs) (coughs) But then you can say the other spell, and it'll send him back. Right. Right? Right. And... While they're doing that, Bobby, Joe, and Bubba are standing there, and she says, you're holding my hand too hard. And he says, I'm not holding your hand. And uh (gasps) uh-oh. It's the severed hand. hand It's back. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And Bobby Joe freaks out and does the stupidest thing you can possibly do. Run out into the forest. She runs into the haunted woods. And she gets surrounded by vines, and she gets sucked up by the forest. She's dead now, too. You hate to see it. Bubba is constantly calling for her. He wants to go outside. Nobody else wants to go. No. He wants to go, though. He then grabs the pages that they need to say the spell, and he puts them in the cellar, and he says, now everybody's got to go outside. He goes outside. He yells. A demon comes. Beats him up. No. (laughs) A demon comes and gets Ash again. Ash turns into a demon. He, he throws Bubba, and he runs back to the house. Um, Bubba gets stabbed. Remember? Bubba gets, yes, that's She right. stabs Bubba. Bubba comes to the door, and she stabs him with a knife. Mm-hmm. Then he falls down in the door. Ash is coming for her. She keeps trying to close the door with Bubba in the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, she finally gets inside. Ash gets inside. Does Ash... No, Bubba gets sucked up by, by Henrietta in the cellar. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she. Yeah, he gets pulled into the cellar, yeah. Ash is going to kill Annie because he picked her up and threw her, and she's on the ground, but what's on the ground next to her? The necklace. That's right, the necklace. And so he picks up the necklace. He, he gets kind of sad. Yeah. And then he cries. Then he turns back into Ash. And then Annie tries to kill him with an axe. And he's like, hey, hey, no, it's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay now. And once he convinces her, he does something. He basically turns himself into the iconic superhero that he is today. Yes, he does. The world's ultimate reluctant hero. The biggest asshole ever is now the hero, is, a, is now a mythic figure after this scene. Yes. What do they do, Steve? So they go back out to the tool shed. The, the one that has shed, Freddy Krueger's glove in it. Yeah, yes, that's right. And he uh, he takes the uh, the chainsaw and he attaches it to his handless arm to his stump, uh, and rigs a little vest that has a hook on it that he can use to to pull the chain on the chainsaw and 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 start it without 
using mm-hmm. his other hand. Um, and he uh, takes the shotgun and saws off the barrel. So he has a nice nifty sawed off shotgun that he can keep in a little uh, holder across his back. And uh, now he's he's ready to kick ass and fight evil. And we we pan hard into his face, and what does he say? <laughs> Groovy. And it was at that moment that I knew that I loved the movie. Oh God, yes. Oh, absolutely. So they're gonna go back into the house, and they gotta kill. They have to kill Henrietta in the basement because that's where the pages they are. They need them pages. Yep. So they go down there. It doesn't go great. <laughs> there are a few setbacks, you know. Mm-hmm. They go there, and Henrietta's down there, and they get the pages. They make it back up into the room. Um, Henrietta comes up, <laughs> mutates again, so she has a demon face on a great big long snake neck. And uh, Ash, and oh boy, guys, there's so much stop motion in this. Oh, yeah. And uh, he fights a stop motion Henrietta. Then Annie starts singing Mockingbird. It distracts Henrietta. And then Ash cuts her up, cuts up Henrietta up, and now she's got to read the thing, right? Because the Ents in the forest have come alive, (laughs) and they're starting to beat up the house. And she reads it, part of it, right? Right. And (laughs) a great big monster face comes through the door that (laughs) turns... That turns Ash's hair white. Yeah, in the party. Oh, it's it's scary. It's very scary. It's not the way they did it in the movie. <laughs> it's not. Um, and Henry, uh, Annie gets stabbed with that knife. Yeah, by, dying, by Ash's bad hand. Yeah. Yeah, and she's still she's still saying the curse, not the curse, the spell. Ash gets picked up by a giant tree hand and he's going to be fed to the giant monster mouth and uh, he takes his chainsaw and he digs it right into the monster's eye (laughs) in which the MPAA said I don't care what color blood that is there's no way this is not getting an X rating now that's gross with her last dying breath she finishes the spell and a vortex opens up and starts sucking up the trees and starts sucking up the the plants and the house somehow the stove is sucked up out of the kitchen and through the living room before ash is even sucked up i don't know how that happened but the monster's gone and now ash is being sucked up he he, he gets sucked to the first door he says can, there's nothing that can stop it. Yeah, how do you right? stop it? Yeah. How do you stop this thing? And then he gets sucked into the vortex, and we're like, wow, that's a weird ending. But it gets it weirder. Gets weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in the movie, they were looking at some parts of the Necrotomicon that was obviously drawn by a 12 year old mm-hmm. who drew, um, what did they call him? The savior from above, the. The great protector. Uh, what they call him? I forget what they called him, but yeah, but it's basically it's. It turns out that it's Ash. It's because he's, yeah. he's supposed to have like a chainsaw for a hand, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I see. Yeah, he pa- he falls down with his car, and uh, all these knights surround him, and then a a evil witch witchy like a witch demon succubus thing comes down. And he blows its head off. And then everyone starts praising. They're all like, hurrah! 
while Ash is saying what, Steve? <gasps> no! <laughs> he's not saying groovy now, is he? No, he's not. Hey, Steve, you know what? What? Shortest recap fucking ever on this show. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. It's if you just go strictly by the plot, there's not a whole lot to it, is there? There's not a whole lot here. It's straightforward. You zoom through it. Oh How much downtime is there between the beginning of the movie and when shit starts happening? Oh, almost none. Four minutes. Yeah, maybe three. Yeah. It's so Steve. How do you feel about this super spooky? Cookie and Wookie, super funny. <laughs> is it a satire? Maybe. But it's so original, how can it be a satire of horror movies? Shut up. Just watch it. It's funny. Look. <laughs> Isn't it funny when the deer laughs? <laughs> how do you feel about this classic horror comedy? The Evil Dead 2. You know, it's one of those movies that feels like it was pitched directly at me. Um, yeah. And, like, it, I, it wasn't because, like I said, I was seven when it came out. You were seven when this movie came out. <laughs> and I didn't see it until I was a teenager. But when I watch it now as who I am today with my taste and my sense of humor, it feels like it was made to suit me personally. Like, it hits mm. all of my buttons. Um, the arch tone, the over-the-top feel of the whole thing, the great balance that the humor has between yeah. just incredibly dark and like a Looney mm-hmm. Tunes cartoon. You know, or like oh, yeah. you said, like a Three Stooges movie. That, I think that's even, that, even, that says it even better. It's like the humor, it's that perfect balance. Some, some of the stuff is so dark. It's like it's all about death and dismemberment and blood, but it's also just incredibly goofy. And, mm-hmm. and it fits together so well. Like, it's incredible. Um, the performances, especially Bruce Campbell's, are stilted and phony, but they're stilted and phony on purpose and in just mm-hmm. the right way. So that they work, um, yeah. The the special effects are are just so gleefully excessive. Um, you know, like there are mul- multiple shots in the movie that every time I watch it get me to laugh out loud, just because of the absurd amount of blood that oh, yeah. comes gushing out of like a person or a hole in the wall or that door mm. in the floor like it's just it just overwhelms you it's so ridiculous that you can't help but laugh at it the movie has a low budget very handcrafted quality to it and mm. and, and I find that appealing but it is also obviously the product of a lot of work by a lot of very talented people that shot near the beginning where Ash is picked up and is, is like driven through the woods and we see him straight on and he spins around and stuff. That's an incredible shot. It's not smooth and perfect. Like we might see from a major Hollywood production with, you know, all the time and money to get it just right. But it's also clearly not something that they just improvised that day on the set. Like it took planning and effort and technical expertise to conceive that and to execute that shot. And the whole movie is like that. It's a combination of low budget ingenuity and like real technical genius. And Bruce Campbell is so good. 
<laughs> like <laughs> he's so good. And I'm a, I, I, I watched this movie and I'm just I'm still amazed that he never became a major movie star. I mean, didn't the, want to. I mean, and, and he he's a legend with a certain audience, like people who like these kind of movies and who know him. Sure. I mean, he's Bruce Campbell. Like it's not like he's a nobody. Um, and he's had parts in big movies. But I mean, a guy who looks like him and has his talent, you would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you, you would think like this guy would be a huge movie star. Um, in an odd way, and I, this never occurred to me until I watched it this time. He reminds me a little bit of Cary Grant. Um, what? Yeah, I know that's weird, right? But like, when, yeah. when, when I'll, and I'll explain it. Not not in terms of like his personality or his type, but Cary Grant like Bruce Campbell was this big handsome guy but when he did comedy like for instance when Cary Grant did Arsenic and Old Lace he would completely strip himself of his dignity you know like the suave debonair Cary Grant from like Notorious was gone and he was Mm -hmm. the biggest fucking goofball that he had to be to to do what he needed to do in the comedy and and bruce campbell is the same way he's like this big strong handsome guy with a great chin and you know and is, is capable of being this really commanding charming charismatic presence and in this movie he's mugging and he's lurching and he's making just the most amazing faces like the things he does with his eyes and his eyebrows and the way he cocks his head and it's so big and huge and over the top and it all works because he knows what he's doing he knows exactly what to do with this material and like i said he's also matching the setting oh oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it's not just him i mean but i mean like like i said earlier like so much of this movie is just Bruce Campbell fucking around in a cabin. So much of this yeah. movie is he's the only character on screen. He's fighting his own hand. He's throwing a mannequin head that has been attached to his hand around. And that's obviously what it is. There's not a moment in this movie that you believe that that head is anything other than a plastic fucking mannequin head. And yet it works, you know, be, not just because of Bruce, but because of the tone and everything. Like it's just, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic. Um, now, Sam Raimi did become a major mainstream director after this. Um, you know, he did Dark Man, and then he did Army of Darkness, and eventually he did the Spider-Man movies, and now he became like a big A-list director. Um, mm-hmm. And he should have, because he's brilliant. And he finds that perfect tone for this, that combination of comedy and horror. Um, he has confidence in this material. And one of the thing, one of the, the points that I think has come up repeatedly recently in some of our, our reviews of movies from the last couple months is it really is important for a director to have confidence in their material. I know I talked about that when we did True Stories. When we talked about David Byrne, just hey, he believed mm-hmm. in this material. He knew what he was doing. He knew if he told the story in this way that it would work. You know, the Coen brothers in Raising Arizona, they have confidence in their material. They know what to do with it. And Sam Raimi with this, it's the same situation. He knows how to make this work. Um, he knows how to present it. You know, I, I mentioned the uh, the shot where Ash gets pushed through the woods during our recap. We mentioned the shot where Ash reaches out from the mirror when he's talking to himself, and he reaches out through the glass and grabs himself. And that's such a simple, basic trick, but it comes off flawlessly. Like it works so well, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, and most importantly, Raimi and everyone else, but especially Campbell, create this feeling 
of possibility in the movie. You feel like anything can happen. You feel like nothing is too nuts to happen here. Like the atmosphere is utterly deranged. It is just like completely all bets are off, you know? And that's wonderful. It makes for great comedy. It makes for a great sort of splatter fest. You know, it gives everything a sense. And they, like the violence and the gore is so over the top that it's it's never gross. It's never like hard to watch where you're like, ooh, you know what I mean? It's never like upsetting because it's just so far over the top um, that it's like, how can you be grossed out by, you know, gallons and gallons and gallons of blood <laughs> spewing out of a hole in the wall like that's not gross that's funny um and so yeah it all works it all works incredibly well it's one of my favorite horror movies and it makes me laugh and it makes me happy every time i watch it and i've i've watched it i don't know how many times by this point um but yeah i i i adore it so there you go yay um yeah i'll agree with steve i love this movie it's uh, simple yeah it's a simple movie Despite the fact that you could say it's really high concept because it's all about, oh, the Necronomicon and the Demon Book and this happened and this happened. It's pretty straightforward. Establish with the narrator you establish, there's a bad book, don't read from it. <laughs> Someone reads from it, bad things happen. And there's nothing terribly complicated about the plot. About the plot. There are no twist surprises or at the ending. It doesn't turn out Ash has always been destined to do X, Y, and Z. No, there's none of that bullshit. Yeah. You basically watch a guy get tortured for about an hour and a half, and then you bring in some other people so they can die too, because if you only have one death in a horror movie, that's kind of boring. But like I said before, I could have watched this entire thing, and it was just Bruce Campbell getting smacked around by demons. I would have been perfectly happy, <laughs> so long as the tone had remained consistent. Yeah. And that's what it is. Everybody in the movie seemed to know what the movie was. No one was, I don't think, a single actor... Or anyone working on the film walked into it not knowing, oh, this is a comedy. Okay, right. we'll play it as a comedy. You know, um, Bruce Campbell got to demonstrate how good he is at slapstick, how, how good he is at taking a fall, how good he is at, at wild mugging. I mean, Ash Williams is now an iconic cinema character, especially amongst horror fans. Yeah. But most of them who are fans of Ash understand that Ash is, this is like the first iteration of Ash. Later on, he just becomes a complete asshole. <laughs> but he's the hero that doesn't want to be where he is. All he wants to do is go home. He doesn't want to have to deal with any of this shit. Yeah. And uh, we don't see a whole lot of that in this movie, necessarily. He's a little more uh, level-headed. You know, his quote-unquote catchphrases, most notably groovy. Yeah is limited it's cut down it becomes more apparent in the later films but what's great about this is that you kind of see the assembly of what is going to become a movie icon right in that one sequence when he goes in and he attaches a chainsaw to his arm and a shotgun he's one of the few horror icons that isn't the monster right he's not freddy krueger he's not jason Voorhees. he's not michael myers he's the protagonist yeah who is you know as near as i can tell the only two that are alive right now is who are viewed as badasses is him and ripley mm -hmm. i wouldn't count 
Jamie Lee Curtis in the Halloween franchise because she spends a lot of time running and crying. I don't know what this latest Halloween movie is going to do. I th- I kind of like the idea that the entire town is going to rise up and kill him. That would be cool. <laughs> like, let's just get this over with. All right, exactly. Can we just be done, please? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's nice to have a horror icon that is the hero, that is yeah. the protagonist. You know, warts and all. And, boy, he's an iconic one. Jesus did... did uh, Duke Nukem steal from him. Oh my god. There would be no Duke Nukem if they didn't have Ash Williams to copy from. Right? So, uh, yeah, I love the movie. The script is, though, you want to know why our review is so short? Because it got to its points and it got to them quickly. Yep. There was no, there was, you know, some parts where you were kind of panning around and you didn't know what was going on, which are fine. You know, if you've seen this more than 500 times, it's probably you skip it because you know what's coming. Um, but it is. It's just goofy fun. The Necronomicon is a is a is a ridiculous looking thing. <laughs> the face on it is not scary <laughs> at all, and it doesn't look like it's been bound in human flesh. No, not even a little bit. And it appears to be thirteen pages long. It looks like a binder, like from high school. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a binder. It probably was. Yeah, probably. Um, but I mean, just they they took their budget. They made the most of their budget. They made a great movie. Are the special effects fantastic? Nope. Not even not even a little. I mean, they're better than the first movie. Um, but they were good enough to get your, the story across. There was lots and lots and lots of stop motion. And uh, and a lot of rubber... Well, yeah, a lot of makeup and rubber suits and stuff like that. There's nothing in this movie where you go, how do they do that? Right. When the big face appears in the door, you're just like, look at that big puppet. It's gross. Look at that gigantic puppet they made. Good for you, movie. It's got shark teeth and everything. That's so great. But you could see, it was like people, you knew that there were four guys working the head puppet and nine guys working the giant tree arm that came in from the side. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. You never saw the rest of the body of the... the, the <laughs> when the vortex opened and the giant head goes away, we don't get to see the rest of the monster tumbling off into the into the vortex, do we? No. Nope. Because they didn't build that. <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun and it's funny. Is it scary? No. No. Not really. Is it gory? Sure. But it's a kind of cartoony gore that doesn't make you go, Oh, that looks like it hurts. It can't because everyone has a wild take whenever they get hurt or whenever they get scared. You know, when Bobby Joe gets sucked up by the vines, it's not really that scary. I suppose it could be remade to make it seem like, Oh, it's digging into her flesh or whatever. But that isn't the point of the story. The point of the story is that it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. You have a good time. And there weren't a lot of honest-to-God funny horror movies. The ones that tried are terrible, or <laughs> were terrible at the time. Right? What was the name of that one? Saturday the 14th or something like that? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Where they tried to be a horror comedy and it really didn't work. Fright Night is a little bit of a horror comedy. Yeah. Not really. I mean, there's well, comedic elements um, to it. I, the one I think of that is, it's it's not, I don't think there's another film quite like Evil Dead 2 that does what it does as well, but um, Return of the Living Dead is a little bit like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's definitely yeah. a comedy. Yeah. It is a little bit like it, too. Yeah. And that's good, too. Yeah. So, Steve, recommend, not recommend? Recommend good. Oh, highly recommend. <laughs> it's a classic, absolutely. Me, too. Hey, Steve. Yeah. 
Do you have a movie that you would like to not recommend? Oh, boy, do I. Oh, goody. Tell me I what it is sure so I'll no one not watch it. Oh, boy, don't anybody watch this. So um, here's the thing. The movie I'm going to not recommend is a shitty remake of a movie that was already shitty. So somebody <laughs> saw the shitty movie, and they said, let's make another version of the shitty movie, and it was even shittier. Make it shittier. It was even shittier than the shitty original. So the shitty original is a movie from 2002 directed by Eli Roth called Cabin Fever. Oh, God. The remake is a movie from 2016. Yeah, that's right. Only 14 years later, they remade Cabin Fever. Huh. Uh, and it's directed by nobody. And... <laughs> And it just appeared at a studio one day. What's this? <laughs> and it's also called Cabin Fever. And it's made from the same script as the original. Oh, yay. Yeah. Because that script was great. I know. What a great... Everybody who saw the original Cabin Fever said, what a great script. Mm -hmm. um, and it's awful. So if you <laughs> saw the original Cabin Fever, I'm guessing probably on TV on the Sci-Fi Channel some weekend when you were just flipping channels. That's how I, yeah. that's how I saw it. <laughs> um, and you thought, oh, that seems like awful nonsense. Um, mm, I wonder if it'll have the pancakes kit in it. <laughs> um, I would say avoid the original because it sucks. And most, I think all of Eli Roth's movies suck, to be honest. Uh, but uh, avoid the original and especially avoid the remake um, because it's even worse. Although I will say, I believe the remake is a little shorter than the original, so at least it has that going for it. But uh, that is my not recommendation. Especially if you're looking at Evil Dead 2, which is like a sequel slash kind of sort of remake of the original Evil Dead, uh, you know, which is just so brilliant and amazing. Don't spoil that good feeling by watching either Cabin Fever, but especially by watching the remake of Cabin Fever. There you go. Well, as you know, I like to review. Review? Hi, I like to review a movie. Really. Oh, boy, I'm tired. Hey, kids. <laughs> as you know, I like to review a movie from the same year that uh, the movie that I just reviewed, and it's 1987. And we're at the height of our horror movie bullshit, where everybody <laughs> had to make a horror movie. You want, you want proof? Okay. There were 113 horror movies released in the United States in 1987. Holy shit. Let me break it down to you. In just the blood category, there was Blood Frenzy, Blood Harvest, Blood Hook, Blood Lake, Blood Rage, Blood Sisters, <laughs> Bloody New Year, and Bloody Wednesday. But the movie I'm not going to recommend is what is was supposed to be a dark comedy. It wasn't funny. No one saw it, and I hated it. It was called Blood Diner. And it was the charming story of two guys who open a restaurant to kill women. Ta-dam! The end. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Master. Let me... I just need to back you up for a second. Okay, sure. What the hell is a blood hook? I, <laughs> blood hook. What is it? I, how do I you, don't know. How That's do you, the name of it. How do blood you hook, hook blood? You put the hook in blood, it runs right off. Look, everything is scarier when... What's a blood... Well, I know what a blood harvest is. You of all people should know what a blood harvest is. I know what a blood frenzy is. Yeah, you've, I've seen it. I dream about what a blood lake would be oh, like. Oh, yes. 
I know what it's like to have blood rage because you know. Seen that too. Yeah, blood sisters, sure. I've had blood sisters. Yes, you've had you've you've had blood twin sisters before. I watched. Oh yes, exactly. Bloody New Year. Well, who doesn't? It's every I New have Year. it every. Yeah. And Bloody Wednesday is every Wednesday for me. But you know, if you want to make something spooky, you put blood in front that, of it. Even okay? if it makes no sense. If at you're all. making a movie, for example, you could have a movie called Radio, or Blood Radio. Ah, that's a scary movie. <laughs> that's right. That's a scary movie. Same movie with what's his face in it. As you know, I think he was playing a mentally handicapped guy who was trying to play football. So is put blood in front so of. So is Blood Diner like a scary version of Barry Levinson's Diner? That's exactly okay, right. They go to the you. diner, they talk about their personal problems, then they kill women. I got you. <laughs> Makes sense. Blood diner, that's right. <sighs> so yeah, don't see it, it's garbage. No, it's all of these movies. I forget, has anybody heard of any of these movies that I just said? And that's just the blood part of the list. Ooh. That's not even all of the bees. That's just Wait the bloods. That's right. Wait until we get to the K part where it has kill in it. Oh, oh no. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Killer robot. Killer workout. Killer snack food. I don't kill, know. Killer hook. Now that makes more sense than blood Killer hook. hook. Not all hooks are bad. No, there are some very useful hooks. That's right. But I, I don't think a movie called Useful Hooks. No. Useful blood hook? <laughs> Bloody useful hooks. Bloody useful hooks, because then you get the horror of the blood, but also functionality. We're trying to make this episode more than an hour, so that why we're going on this weird tangent. Why are they spending so much time riffing on blood and hooks? That's right. (laughs) And Steve. Yes, yes, master. You know, Halloween spooky time is over the next time we review a movie. It is, yes. You won't hear from us again until next year. That's right, before you have to make a terrible choice. Oh, okay. okay. One second. Glug, glug, glug. Okay, Steve. Yes, yes, yes. It's a terrible choice. Okay. But not for the reasons that you usually find. Oh, I, I can't wait for this one. <laughs> You're going to make a good choice, but you'll be disappointed that you didn't choose the others. That's what I mean uh, by a terrible choice. Because all the options are so amazing. No, because I actually permanently removed the other two choices from being selected in the future. Oh, oh, interesting. No, wow. I'm not. That's a joke, everybody. I don't actually do oh, that. Oh, that's what? I don't actually do that. Fuck. So it's time for us to do fucking foreign films and black and white again, Steve. <laughs> yeah, the artsy shit. The artsy shit <laughs> right. that everyone talks about, but no one's actually watched. Oh, boy. Artsy, fartsy, patartsy. Yeah, baby, bring it on. <laughs> All right, Steve. You have to choose between A, B... Oh, I should explain to the audience. Right now, Steve has to choose between A, B, or C. Whichever movie he chooses is the one that we're going to review. Steve is unaware of the movies under A, B, or C, so it is a completely random choice. It has been frustrating our listeners for almost three goddamn years. (laughs) And that's why we do it. All right, Steve. A, B, or C. Make your selection now. I'm going right down the middle with this one and choosing B. Oh. You know, you always do that. Okay. Had you chosen A, 
You're going to hate yourself. I can't wait. We would have watched eight and a half. Oh. And then reviewed it. (laughs) Had you chosen C, we would have watched a movie that you have admitted you have not watched, but it is one of the greatest films ever made. And it's also Italian. Bicycle Thieves. Oh, no, I've seen that. You told me you didn't no, see I've it the last it. time I brought it no, up. No, I saw, I, saw, I saw it in a theater. They, they played it at a local theater here about two years ago. I've seen Bicycle Thieves, yeah. Oh, then you know what? We've been doing the show for so long. You hadn't that's seen it. Maybe, maybe it's been when a while I said since it. you brought it up. Oh, that's a great movie. It's a beautiful yeah, movie. Yeah, a great movie. It's a great But you chose C, so we're going way, way, way back to a time where Steve loves movies. <laughs> Where they're in black and white, yeah. and there's no talking. Well, I think this is a silent. I'm pretty sure it's a silent. Ooh. Again, 1925. Oh, boy. And next time around, we're going to review the classic film, Battleship Potemkin. Oh, nice. And if you guys watch it, you're going to see how many people have stolen oh, from this movie. Boy. Blatantly. And that's it. We're all finished. Jesus Christ. We're only at one hour, seven minutes. With uh, with editing, it's going to be less than an hour, Steve. This, Where were you with all the jokey jokes? The scariest part is the people will have to go back to their normal lives earlier than usual. Yeah, and my normal life is you and having to lay down on you on a regular basis. I feel... Just stare at you I in feel, the eyes. Sometimes I feel safe. Sometimes. He gets night terrors pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're like a human compression blanket. He has this dream where he's normally shaped and he's an accountant. Oh, I hate it. Going to an office. He runs Yeah, he runs around the house. He stands in the hallway pretending to be drinking from a water fountain, not talking talking to a co-worker. Yeah. I, That's terrible. I say, so you've been watching Squid Game? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he did. How do you even know about that? I don't know. I've never seen it. I just see people talk about it. It's pretty good. I never watched it's it. It's pretty good. What, what kind of a squid? It reminds what me of, of something that I used it? to do with the peasants before I became a vampire. Is it like a gi- is it like a giant squid or? No, it's the name of a game. You ju- look. It's it's from Korea. All right. Right. I'll explain it to you later. Well, you Korea has it's it's a you know. That's right, Steve. Squid Game is a bunch of kids throwing squids at each other. Well, it's Korea. There's, they have, you know, they're by the water. What does that mean? It's Korean, you know. It's a peninsula. Right. So So you just made the natural assumption that these backward Korean kids (laughs) play a game where they just hurl squid at each other. I never said backwards. I don't know anything about it. They made a show of it. It must be worth watching somehow. And you racist motherfucker. You can't you. make this about out. <laughs> how dare you? Who is this? I can't you? believe it. The number of Koreans that we've had to this house and then subsequent drained of blood and killed. And you learn nothing. <laughs> well, they never mentioned the squid game. Well, honestly, we have never really had a whole lot of time to get to know them. No, I never ask anybody. It's to, to be fair, it's not anything against Koreans in particular. I never ask anyone about their culture. Why did I spend so much money to get streaming in the, in the house if you're never going to watch it? 
I I just haven't watched Squid Game. Just I've watched go other to things. Netflix and watch Squid Game, and then you can watch, and then you can talk to me about just it. Just the other day, I completely, I finally finished watching all of Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's fun. It's very funny. Who cares? Those wacky cops. Who cares about the you wacky know, cops? You wouldn't think that Andre Brower could do comedy, but you would be mistaken. He's quite funny. You know that that is just a propaganda show to make cops look good. Oh, don't start with that Harmless. Bullshit. You can't enjoy anything. Go. You can't enjoy anything anymore. How many cops have we had to make disappear because they come to the castle and they're like, where did this teenage girl go? And I'm like, right over there. They look and I bite them on the neck. They never taste good. Well, no. It tastes like processed food. Of course, they're cops. They're the scum of the earth. But I'm just saying, it's a funny show. But, oh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I watched all of it. Who doesn't love Andy Sandberg? Come on. But when it comes to, you know, a nice Korean show about people getting murdered playing a game for money. What does that have? Oh, you can't watch that. What does that have to do with squids? Just watch the goddamn show. I will watch that. Fine, I will. It's a metaphor. Okay. You didn't watch Red Dragon and expect there to be a dragon in it, did you? I was you? a little disappointed. You didn't watch Silence of the Lambs to see a bunch of mute lambs wandering about. I kind of thought there would be, but then she told the story, and I was like, okay, I get it now. Again, a little disappointed, but I understand. You kind disappointed of a, Kind of a bait and switch, you know. You went for the lambs, but you got, you got a well, serial they were killer. In, they were in the title. You go... <laughs> You, you go to see the black hole. If there's not a black hole in it, you're like, what the hell? But there was a black hole in the black I hole. I know. That's why I chose that example. Do you know what movie has a black hole, but they didn't put it in the title? Interstellar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, there's a lot of things in Interstellar that aren't in the title, like Magic yeah, Haunted like Bookcase. A, yeah, and the fifth dimension is love. Jesus McConaughey is really that good. That was though. a you have bleak to night in front of the really TV. Good. What? McConaughey, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's great dude. in everything. When did he become a good George. actor? Remember Failure to Launch? He used to make so no. many crappy movies. Now all of a sudden he's like this fantastic you actor. You watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Failure to Watch. I never... I, I know it's bad by just looking at I'm it. I'm not putting them in the same category. Failure to Launch is terrible. But you Yeah, know. but the difference Brooklyn is you watched it and I didn't. Instead, I watched Squid Game again. It's so good. I love you it. You watched it twice. You want me to spoil it for you? You you watched all, you watched it twice. Yes. Because it's that. And good. I start watching it again tonight. When you're done with all of your castle chores, you can come okay. up and we can both watch it. I'll watch. Okay? I'll watch Squid Game with you, so I will know what you're talking all about. All we need to do is remember to tip some boiling oil out the window for the trick or treaters. Okay, I will. I guess I can put off my I think you should leave rewatch at least a little bit. What? I think you should leave the sketch comedy show on Netflix. I watched that. You didn't watch I think you should leave? No. That's why you don't laugh at any of my jokes. That's, yeah, you've gotten weird. When I make it, Your jokes don't make any when sense anymore. I talk anymore. about coffin flop and you just look at me like why would I want to do yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. That's not funny. I sleep in one. Exactly. I was like what? He, surely he has seen the show, but now I get it. You haven't watched Oh, so you can only be funny if you reference other media. Yeah. The be funny on your own. Stop copying other people. So you're saying I can make jokes without making references to other things. That's right. Okay. 
Do you think that they'll become insane if we actually pad out on to our normal size? Probably. And continue to do is this any, for a half an hour. Is anybody even still listening at this point? Or did they just go, oh, they're just no going idea. to fuck off for a little while? I think that there are a number of people saying, just say goodbye. <laughs> just say goodbye, <laughs> goddammit. You told us what the next movie is, just end this. We've been doing this for so long, I even forgot what the next movie is. What it, was it? Battleship, it was Battleship Potemkin. Oh, right. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. At least I think so. I haven't watched it since college. No, those Russians, though, they can make a movie, I tell you what. Which apparently, for me, was 300 years ago. When, when you were in college? 300 years ago, that's yeah. right, remember? You graduated from the I University of Budapest. That's right, I went to the University of Budapest, where they taught me impaling and home skills. Yeah, a double major. I learned how to peel an onion and also torture people. That was good. I could thread it right through their mm. guts. Up the bum, out the mouth. That was me. That's your, that used to be your signature move until you... That's right. You, you know, you, you diversified. I tried to teach it, but no one would ever get it. They always wind up killing the guy. Nobody has any patience these days. That's the problem. That's right. That's exactly right. You think, oh, you get an extra sharp. You get an extra sharp pole. No. You get a blunt pole. So that it can snake, you can snake the, the intestines Exactly. Over you it. don't want to perforate the intestines. That's right. It's like stuffing a sausage. You have to ease it through little by little. And then when it comes out the mouth, you put a little straw there so they can breathe. It makes it last longer. You know, nobody, nobody has the patience these days. No. Everybody no, wants want instant gratification. Quick. I want to kill somebody Always. right now. I'm going to slice your neck. I'm going to stab you in the head. Uh. I'm going to, you know... Shoot you with a gun, Any Maury. Any cretin can do that. Steve, seriously. They don't know how far you, and how long we can go with this. You know, that's how that's how Alicia wound up looking the way she looked. Someone just whacked her in the face with an axe. I thought she was born that way. Well, it happened very soon after she was born. I, You know, what was funny is I saw her dancing to that song. You know, the Lady Gaga. Ah, oh, your poker face. Yeah. yeah, but uh, for a brief second, I thought it was a stack of luncheon meat being jumped up and down. <laughs> okay, you need to take it easy, because I mean, I, I find her very scary, but she's still my girlfriend. I know, okay? because you fucked that. I do. I don't get it. What's wrong with fucking <laughs> a stack of luncheon meat? It's delicious. <laughs> I think it's time to stop. Okay. I think it's time to We're stop. We're going into a dark territory now. Goodbye, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemme Listen. And thanks for listening.